is yours. From God our Father, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Calling today's sermon, it's a little bit of bulky title, but Sowing Seed While Afloat. You'd think that if Jesus takes special care that everyone present can hear him, he would speak so clearly that everybody there would understand him. Yet that's not what we see today in our gospel lesson. I don't know if you noticed, but there was a little jump in there. We skipped a bunch of verses because of the fact that the disciples have to go and say, yeah, that whole uh, sowing seed thing, what was that about? And then he explains it to them. Now here's the setting. The crowd had gotten so large. Jesus went and sat down by himself by the Sea of Galilee and people understood. Jesus is here. Jesus is up. Jesus is out there. And the crowd got so large that Jesus got into a boat and went out into the water so that the people couldn't jostle each other to get closer unless they planned to tread water. This is safer. And he can leave when he wants to, not when the crowd chooses to allow it. This is wiser. And his words will not be muffled by all the bodies and clothing of those standing closest to him so that everybody in the back is going, Meh. Instead, his voice will carry across the water to every hearer. This is better. And now that Jesus has made sure that everyone around can hear him, now that he has taken steps to be in control of his message and the whole situation, he speaks to them of many things. But he does it in puzzles, in stories, story puzzles that we call parables. He teaches them all, but he explains the message only to his disciples. And they in turn can share the explanation with you by writing it into God's word. Now, there might have been some people at the time who went like, I see what he's doing there, and that they received the entire message of the gospel, even without any special tutoring session. But the puzzle seems to remain. Why make sure that everyone can hear it if you're not making sure that everyone can understand it? It's because... He wants it to be shared. He tells it to his disciples and he tells them to explain his words. And in the meantime, the parable would be working on the minds and the hearts of people. Have you ever seen something like uh, a puzzle that, that you, know, you just couldn't solve right then? Or, or a story where you're wondering, what exactly does that mean? And it kind of stays with you. It, it lurks in your mind. It, it fills up your heart. You live with those words. And they can continue to be a blessing. But isn't it even a greater blessing when you hear somebody who faithfully tells you what God himself has said 
he is saying. What's kind of interesting about this is that Jesus is telling a parable that is also happening right in front of everybody as he is telling it. Rather than a brand new teaching, it's like a commentary on the scene at the lake. The seed is the word of God. The seed is sown in every condition and situation, and some won't understand it at all, and some will be fair-weather disciples, and others will stick with it and flourish until they think that they've outgrown it. Or it gets in the way of something else that they really want, probably that they really want to do, but no is not God-pleasing. But some will be changed forever and will produce a crop so bountiful that it will astound you. Now amongst those people who are there, some had come for healing. Some for personal gain. Some to satisfy the spiritual itch that any honest human being admits to having. But for some, Jesus was just the summer blockbuster. They had heard the advanced copy, so to speak, the theatrical, theatrical trailer, if you will. Coming soon to a hillock or hamlet not, not near you. Now Jesus of Nazareth was there. They were going to make sure that they went to see him. Don't miss this one. Others we know were there because because they were troubled by his words and either needed to hear more before they could come to an opinion or they wanted to gather ammunition so that they could fire back at him. But Jesus preached to them all and the parable was perfectly illustrated while it was being proclaimed. When anyone hears the words of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. And you might wonder, well, wait a minute. If he doesn't understand the words in the first place, why does the evil one even bother to come and snatch it away? Why would he bother to clean up after this mess? Well, we heard the answer in Isaiah chapter 55 as our Old Testament reading. The word of God is amazingly powerful. The evil one snatches it away because he knows what the word of God can do, even if it falls initially on an unrepentant heart. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be, says the Lord, that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. It shall accomplish that which I purpose. It shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. The devil knows that God's grace comes to us through means. In hearing his word, in, in baptism, in the Lord's Supper, 
God chooses to work through means. And whenever he works through means, he can be resisted. God's word is powerful. His sacramental presence is real. But we can still reject. There are laws of God that you cannot violate. You cannot decide, I don't choose to honor the law of gravity today. My feet hurt, so I'm just going to levitate from one place to another. God makes the law of gravity work directly. But when it comes to salvation and our sanctification, when it comes close to being close to Jesus, we can walk away from that. And the devil's not going to take any chances. And so if a person has the the word of God come to them, but they reject it, the devil's going to say, good, I just have one last task I have to do. Let me just scrape up that word of God and get it out of your way. Don't ever think about it again. Because of the fact that God's grace comes to us in the hearing of the word and in baptism and the Lord's Supper. The devil will try to separate us from all three if he can. And is especially thrilled when he can keep us from church. Because that's the most effective strategy to keep us from all three. Jesus goes on, as, what was, as for what was sown on rocky ground. This one hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, but has no root in himself. Endures for a while, but when tribulation or persecution arise on account of the word, he falls away immediately. And as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. So the devil, the world, and our flesh, the far too familiar unholy three, steal God's gifts away. Wither and choke us until we fight God's power in our lives. Rejecting his gifts and end up spiritually unfruitful. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, in another thirty. And it is for the spectacular blessings of these fruits that the sower sows so generously. This is the reason that Jesus sowed the seed of the word from the boat. The word will not return to him empty. It will accomplish that which he purposes. And what is the purpose of God? Well, you already know it. You've memorized it from early on. It is that all would be saved. And come to the knowledge of the truth. 
He has come that we might live, that we might have life and have it abundantly. And I know that it's not by my own reason or strength that I believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the one true faith. And when we have been rocky ground or when we have let the the things of this world choke off the power of God within us, the sower comes back. Sowing the seed again. And the sower keeps on coming. Now perhaps like me, you're troubled this morning by the thought of someone you know maybe even someone that you love, where the word has not taken root or the growth has been slow. Perhaps you remember a time when the word was received with joy, but now it seems to wither, has been choked off entirely by the weeds of destruction, distraction, worries, or busyness. Maybe you know people who feel They've become too sophisticated to believe in what they were taught as a child, never realizing that the reason we taught them these truths as a child was twofold. First, we didn't teach them everything. They weren't yet ready. But second, Because of our love for them, we would not have them to be without the blessings of Christ. Of course we shared these things with them while they were still small. We want them to be fellow heirs with us of the kingdom of God. When I started to go to youth group, we didn't have youth group back in our day. I'm not even sure we had youth back in my day. But what we did have was was called Walther League. Anybody ever here ever been in Walther League? All right, there are four of us still living. All right, that's good. So I met somebody there, young lady, very excited young lady. Boy, she was just full of the spirit, I tell you. And she had not gone to our church for very long. As a matter of fact, she was a convert at the age of of 14. She became a convert to Christianity. And she was just so excited, and she got baptized, and we all were there to see her get baptized, and it was just thrilling. I love doing baptisms. And I asked my mom, said, Clara, not her real name, but Clara has this great story and all these great pictures of the day that Jesus claimed her for his own. And I got none of that because I was baptized when I was two months old. I don't remember a thing. My mom said, there are pictures. And I said, yeah, but I don't have that story. Why did you do that? Why didn't you wait until I could ask to be baptized? Why didn't you wait until it would actually mean something to me? And she said, 
It meant something to you. You became a child of God that day. And we loved you too much to make you wait for that blessing. I thought, dang, my mom's a smart person. The sower keeps coming. Season after season, the sower keeps coming, and the seed is as strong as the fields of God have ever produced. It is the business of God to bring life out of death, abundance out of barrenness, adoption out of abandonment, growth out of a patch of weeds, swaying fields of plenty, even out of hard-packed ground. And it's true that some who hear the word of God will never change. Some will allow the devil, the world, and sinful flesh to claim them. But God is not okay with that. In fact, the cross is God's surest proof that he is dead set against it. Keep praying for those in whom faith has no meaningful root. Keep proclaiming God's generous grace, or bring them here and I'll tell them. Though time after time the seed may have bounced off, remember that God's word does not return to him empty, but like the rain, it accomplishes that for which he sends it. Perhaps the ground has been softened, and the field is now prepared, whether we see it or not. And when, for Jesus' sake and by the Spirit's work, the Word of God takes root, the results can be transformative. For as Paul said, for all those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. You didn't receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if we are his children, we are his heirs. Heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we might be glorified with him. The sower keeps coming, keep coming to receive the word. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ.
Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, 